Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel is the key to our justification and sanctification. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth, day two in our study of the book of Romans. Got this postcard here from Deborah Fogarty, and Deborah is there at Harvest Baptist Church in Orland, California, Pastor Isaac Davis. And Deborah, thanks for listening to the podcast. Sent me this beautiful postcard here, Uh, and uh, I do receive postcards almost every day. And so thanks for listening to the podcast and for uh, taking time to reach out. That means a lot. Romans chapter one is our study at the moment. And we just spent some time last episode introducing the book, talking about the panoramic view, talking about our author a little bit, the Apostle Paul. And I think I told you last episode that we would spend a little bit more time in verse number two. Notice, if you would, verse number two of Romans one, where it says, which he had promised afore. So God promised the gospel before Paul's writing to the Romans before the New Testament age, uh, the gospel. In other words, the gospel was not an afterthought of God. It wasn't like God's plan B. You know, the gospel was always God's intention. So if you want to understand the Bible in four words, understand creation, that's Genesis chapters one and two, the fall, that's chapter three, the fall of man. And then the last word is the word consummation. That's, that's the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22. God makes all things new. But really, the, the lion's share of the gospel, the large swath of the, uh, of, the, of the word of God is redemption, God's plan of redemption, God's plan to rescue and reclaim fallen man. And redemption is wrapped up in one person, in one word, one name, and that is Jesus or the word gospel. Jesus said in John 5, 39, search the scriptures for in them you think ye have eternal life and they, the scriptures, they are they which testify of me. So here the apostle Paul said, hey, the gospel was promised aforetime by the holy prophets in the scriptures, by the prophets in the scriptures. And perhaps he was thinking even as he wrote that of the rich history of the gospel in the Old Testament whether that be Genesis 3.15, whether that be Psalm 22 or Psalm 69, whether that be Isaiah chapter 53 or Malachi chapter 3 or any other number of scriptures. All of scripture finds context in the arrow pointing to the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. So the gospel, look at verse number three. The Bible says about the gospel that it concerns his son, Jesus Christ, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So as the Apostle Paul introduces the gospel, he introduces the gospel central player and the central person of the gospel, the very embodiment of the good news, and that is Jesus Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in introducing Jesus to the audience there at Rome, 
he introduces Jesus in the fullness of who he is. So what is the fullness of who Jesus is? The fullness of the Godhead bodily. Who, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is, in short, the God-man. All God, all man. Sometimes we call that the hypostatic union. That's just a fancy word that means Jesus had a dual nature, a divine and a human nature. He was all God, all man. So here in verse number four, it speaks to his humanity. He's, or rather, verse three, to his humanity. He was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So Jesus, as a human being, was the promised Messiah who had come from the seed of David. Now, God promised that in 2 Samuel chapter number seven. And God fulfilled that promise. We see it in Matthew chapter one and in Luke chapter three. So in Matthew chapter one, we find the lineage of Jesus through Solomon, David, Solomon, all the way through Joseph, the kingly line, Joseph, the foster father of Jesus, to Jesus. There's the kingly line. That's Matthew chapter one. But then the human line is in Luke chapter three, where you trace the lineage backward from Jesus to Mary, to Mary's father, Heli, all the way back to David, all the way back to Adam. So what do we find? We find that Jesus is a human being of the seed of David, but he's not just a king in succession. He's not just a human being. No, it's the incarnation. It's God became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Bible teaches in verse number four, he was declared to be the son of God with power. So the son of God, the eternal son of God, God, the son, watch this, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that emphasized and validated his deity, his divine nature, that he is God. Because human beings don't die and then live again, okay? Not, not, not without God's help, right? So the point here is that he is all man and all God. And the, the other point is that it is the resurrection that is the capstone of it all. The resurrection is the validation of the gospel. If we look at the gospel as the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I mean, death and burial, there's nothing special about that by itself, because people have always died and been buried. There's nothing divine about that. No, it's the death, burial, and resurrection. It was the resurrection that was the ultimate declaration of the validity of Jesus' ministry. That's why when Jesus was challenged by the religious leaders in his public ministry, he said, I'm not going to give you any sign except for the sign of Jonah, the prophet Jonah, that as Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights, so I will be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. I will rise again is the point. The point is death, burial, resurrection. He said in a veiled way there in the temple early in his ministry, he said, destroy this temple, referring to himself, and in three days, I will raise it up. So what's the point? The point is the power of the gospel finds context in the declaration of his Godhead through the resurrection. Now look at verse number five. By whom, so by Christ, we have received grace and apostleship. 
So the Apostle Paul is writing from Corinth, and he says we. So he he refers to himself, and I think he's referring to the other leaders uh, that are along with him. Of course, in in Corinth, uh, there were a delegation of leaders that were with him that were going to help deliver that offering uh, back to Jerusalem. But perhaps he had even some of his uh, ministry partners in mind, like like Titus or like Timothy or like Luke or others. But the point is this, that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, when the, when the powerful gospel has its work in our life, then we receive grace and apostleship. So uh, what is grace? Uh, grace is God's unmerited favor that gives me both a desire and an ability to do God's will. So the gospel liberates me. It get, it's, it's, a, it's a dispensing of God's grace in my life whereby now I have the power and the desire to do things that I could not and would not have done outside of the gospel's influence in my life. So I have grace and apostleship. I have purpose. I have a call. I have a job to do. The apostle Paul said, I've received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So why has God given me grace? Why has God given me uh, this, this marvelous opportunity to spread the word, to be an apostle, so that I can obey him. So I must, it's not enough that I have the opportunity. It's not enough that I even have the resourcing to do what God's called me to do. I must obey. I must do something with it. For obedience to the faith among all nations, I know what the scope of my job is to get the gospel to everybody. Uh, I'm never gonna give up. I want to go further, further on, further in. The Apostle Paul in this very letter said to the church at Rome, hey, I want to come see you. I've I've really wanted to see you for a long time, but I'm not going to stay with you. I'm going to just sojourn with you because I need to get on to the next place. And I hope that you can help me get to Spain. Spain would have been the end of the world in the Apostle Paul's thinking. I mean, that's the edge of the world. They didn't even know about the the Western Hemisphere during those days. I think what the Apostle Paul's saying is, I want to go further on, further in, further westward. All nations, everybody needs to hear the gospel. And I have the grace of God upon my life. I have this desire given by God. I have the ability and resources given by God. I have this call from God. I want to obey God. Wow, what an example. So for obedience to the faith among all nations, but get this, for his name, for his glory, for his reputation. So there's the great why. That This is what drives the Apostle Paul. Hey, I do what I do for the reputation of God. I do what I do for the glory of Jesus Christ. This is not so that I can be written up in the, 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 the publication of the day or I can be in the Christian Hall of Fame or people can talk about the great Apostle Paul. No, remember, I'm a slave. I'm a servant. I don't even deserve this. I, I, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. But God has given me a marvelous transformation and God has given me an incredible opportunity and I want to obey him. I want my faith to be action. I want it to be real. And I want to do what I do for his honor and for his glory. I wonder today, is that your pressing desire? Is that what compels you and impels you day by day? 
But think about that coworker that you'll talk to today or that student that sits across the, the aisleway in your classroom or think about that neighbor or that loved one that you just spent time with over the holidays. I mean, do you want to obey the faith by sharing the gospel that God might be glorified? What a, what a great distilling way to talk about life's purpose. The Apostle Paul does that right here. Look at verse number six, where he says, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? And I love that. The Apostle Paul said, hey, my, my experience has been yours. Uh, my, my, my salvation, my call, my opportunities, they are yours as well. And as the Apostle Paul, the author, speaks to the church at Rome, the audience, he's including them all as people that have received Christ, people that have received grace, people that have opportunity, people that need to obey God, people that should live for his honor and for his glory. What a, a wonderful introductory thought to this powerful book called Romans. Would you look real quickly at verse number seven, we'll just introduce this and then we'll jump into it more tomorrow. To all that be in Rome. So now we finally arrived at audience. So verses one through six, the apostle Paul says, here's who I am. I know who I am in Christ and I know what I'm supposed to do. Now, let me talk to you in Rome. I've never met you physically, but I know you and I know some things about you and here's what I want to say. Can I ask you this, my friend, today? Do you know who you are in Christ? Does that compel you to live a life of purpose? It ought to. We'll talk a whole lot more about that next episode. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.